Welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now, here are your co-hosts, Megan Rollins and Kevin Witham. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. I'm Kevin Witham. Glad to be back with you today. My co-host, Megan, is at a conference in Hawaii while we're recording this. I'm not sure how you line up a conference there, but it must be rough duty. Uh, she's being blessed there, and I'm sure blessing the folks uh, over on that island. Um, so I'm alone this week, but we've got a special podcast uh, in store for you. What we're doing is we are airing the audio uh, from a Zoom session that some of you may have been a part of. It is the Rift and Repair a Zoom session that Nick Zola and Douglas uh, Jacoby did for the Common Grounds Unity Group on March 20th, 2021. So some of you may have been on that Zoom uh, broadcast. This week uh, will be the discussion between Nick and Douglas, and the next week we're going to air the question and answer session. Uh, the session was actually a continuation of a conversation that started at Harbor, the Pepperdine Bible Lectures back in 2019. Uh, Nick and Douglas revisit the past and then the present and future relationship between the ICOC, the International Churches of Christ, and the Churches of Christ. So I'm just blessed, and we're all fortunate to have Nick with us today to kind of set the scene and kick things off. Nick is a uh, professor at Pepperdine University. He's been with us before, as a matter of fact. Uh, he was here along with John Teal to kick off our first podcast. So, Nick, welcome. And could you take just a couple of moments before we uh, run the Rift and Repair session and tell us a little bit about the genesis of the Rift and Repair project, the Pepperdine sessions, and, and why you felt it was important to do this revisited session with Douglas Jacoby? Sure, Kevin. It's great to be back again. So uh, a great uh, hello to all of you who are out there. It's an honor to return to the podcast. And I love what you have been doing with the podcast since we began. Uh, this session came about actually, in yeah, as you mentioned, uh, from a Pepperdine Bible lectureship called Harbor way back in May of 2019, so close to two years ago now. And uh, the initial idea, I think, was uh, for Doug and, and myself to present some of the history of how the International Churches of Christ emerged from the Churches of Christ and then ultimately split from the Churches of Christ, but then in the last, say, uh, 10 to 15 years, began to have um, conversations again with the Churches of Christ and has begun to repair some of that rift. Uh, in that initial session in 2019, we had a really great turnout. It was, it was a Friday afternoon, um, and, and yet we had a, a full house and, uh, and then when it was put onto the podcast that um, Pepperdine hosts um, for their Bible lectures, um, it also got uh, a, a lot of listens. And, uh, and so it occurred to us that this was a conversation that people wanted to keep going. 
And so we came up with the idea of let's have a, a revisiting. Let's, let's revisit this rift and repair two years out and think about what has happened since then, uh, even bring in some of our own stories. And so in this last uh, session that you're about to hear, Doug and I uh, get a little more personal in this one and talk about how our own stories intersect with the story of the ICOC breaking away from the COC and then returning in some ways. Uh, so that, that was the impetus behind what we were doing. Well, Nick, thank you for being with us. And and we're all appreciative to you and uh, Douglas Jacoby for taking the time to revisit this over Zoom and and now to be able to present this to, to maybe a larger audience than first listened to it. So, folks, uh, we hope you'll enjoy the Rift and Repair Revisited session starting now. I'll come back and close us out uh, when it's over. Hello and welcome to this Common Grounds Unity YouTube event. Uh, if you are here joining us live or if you're watching the recording, it's my pleasure to welcome you. I'm Nick Zola. I'm an associate professor of religion at Pepperdine University. And with me is Douglas Jacoby, uh, who is a teacher, uh, among other things, in the International Churches of Christ, also an adjunct professor at Lincoln Christian University. And I'll let Doug introduce himself uh, in just a moment. Our format today is that Doug and I will have a conversation where we revisit uh, a, a, a session that we once initiated with the um, Harbor Pepperdine Bible Lectures, uh, where we talked about the rift and the repair between the International Churches of Christ and the Churches of Christ. That session took place in 2019, and we had a very great turnout, and we had a great response once we posted uh, that podcast as well. Uh, and so we thought it'd be worth having a second, a follow-up conversation to uh, revisit some of that, some of what we weren't able to explore there together, and then also to take some questions from the audience. And so for the next 30 minutes or so, Douglas and I will be talking about some of, um, some of that conversation that we initially had, and then for the last 20 minutes or so, we will invite questions from the audience. The way that those questions are functioning right now is that we have uh, Javier Manzon, who is also on the board of directors um, for the Common Grounds Unity Group that, that we are a part of, uh, who is gonna be facilitating those questions by chat. So he's taking those, those questions by direct chat. So if you are joining us live and you wanna send those questions directly to Javier, then you are welcome to do that. And uh, in the meantime, uh, Doug and I will kind of begin this conversation and, uh, and then we'll shift to, to the Q&A point uh, a little bit later. So, um, Doug, would you like to just introduce yourself in a more formal capacity beyond what I just said about you? Not really, but I will say that um, becoming a Christian in the 1970s, I've been part of the ICOC movement in all of its phases. That is the Crossroads movement, the Boston movement, since the early 90s, the ICOC phase. And um, I feel very grateful uh, for that experience and to be connected with so many people. And I'm, I'm happy so many people have turned out. And Nick, it's great to uh, teach with you again. Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right. Well, here's what we'll do first. We'll just take just a minute or two to review. Some of you perhaps have not um, listened to or watched this original session, The Rift and the Repair 
the ICOC and the COC that Doug and I did at the um, Pepperdine Bible Lectures a couple of years ago. Uh, if you haven't, I want to let you know that that's available both by podcast and on YouTube um, at the Common Grounds site or through uh, the Pepperdine University Harbor uh, website. You can get to their podcasts of previous uh, sessions as well. Um, and I'll just say just a quick kind of one minute version of that. What we explored was essentially the history of how the International Churches of Christ emerged, right? First as, as, as a campus ministry movement with the Crossroads Church of Christ and what became known as the Crossroads Movement. And then as it emerged and transitioned uh, and recentered itself into Boston and became the Boston Movement. And then as it kind of transitioned into this international movement, the International Churches of Christ. And we spent time talking about the pros and the cons, kind of the advantages and, and the disadvantages uh, of the various phases of, of each of those movements, and particularly what led to the separation, right? The rift is what, is what we called it, between the eventually the ICOC and the Churches of Christ, that it emerged from the Churches of Christ, um, but eventually split, we could say maybe, and it's hard to you know, have a specific point where it happens, but somewhere in the mid 80s or so, and then into um, by the early 90s, that they were two separate groups. And so one of the tasks that we had at that session was exploring how that happened, essentially, and what led to that. And then we spent some time at the end of that session kind of looking at the ways that communication has begun again, where, where have uh, groups begun talking to each other, where has apology occurred, right, where is reconciliation beginning uh, to occur. And, uh, and so we wanted to make sure that we were updating the story, in a sense, and talking about that. And it's that part, I think, that, that, that Doug and I want to focus on more today, although we also want to talk about the history as well. But think about where are we going from here, and how did we get to this point here today? So that's a quick recap. Doug, is there anything else that you want to say about what we did last time that I didn't just mention? Oh, that's excellent. And um, again, if you go to the various websites, you can find the, the PowerPoint slides. So you have a visual and you can listen to the talks. I would encourage you to do that if you've not watched Rift and Repair. Yes, right. And Doug, I think you have it on your own website as well, right? That's right. If you are a subscriber to Doug's website, you can find it there too. Anyway. Um, all right. So then the next, um, yeah, there's a little free advertising for you. Um, the next question then for the two of us that I thought, and I wanted to make this session a little more personal in a, in a way than, than the last session was, especially because we're in this, this Zoom format and we can see each other, you can see us um, at least. And, uh, and so I wanted to ask Doug, and then I'll answer the same question. Um, Doug, would you just say in a few minutes, right, how did you yourself become a follower of Jesus? And how did you get involved in this, you know, these various sections of the Stone Campbell Restoration Movement, the Churches of Christ, the International Churches of Christ. You mentioned a moment ago that you've been part of every phase. So tell us, tell us a little bit about your story and tell sure. us in particular how your story um, intersects with this rift and repair narrative that we're talking about. Right. Um, three weeks after I turned 18, I went to university and I was already seeking and I'd been there barely 24 hours when a couple of guys from the Church of Christ, who am I, I'd never heard of that group, they knocked on my door and they invited me to a group discussion. And I was baptized about seven weeks later, maybe because back then they only did one study with a person a week. But anyway, um, I was looking. Now, I remember I came back from my first break. I went, I, I went back to New Jersey and then I returned and the fellow who was uh, my prayer partner said, oh, the church split while you were gone, which I thought it did really. How many people? And he said, and he said, no, it's not the first time. Okay. What I'm getting at here is that in the restoration movement, we have a proud or maybe 
um, inglorious history of, of having difficulty working together. The restoration movement is supposed to be about unity, but there are so many splits over little things, not just big things. And that predates my involvement. But I think that became part of our DNA. Um, so I was baptized in uh, 1977. I finished my degree in 80, moved uh, up to the Boston area to be part of a very uh, exciting church, incredible uh, church, a church planting congregation. And I was there for two years and then came to London. And right now, if you see my background, you might recognize Scotland. Uh, but the first time I came here to live was back in 82. And I, I was able to witness an explosion of, of uh, in church planting. I will say, though, that when I returned to the U.S., um, and this was 10 years later, 1992, it felt like a very different movement to me than it did when I left in the early 80s. And maybe I'll just leave it there for right now. But things have become very systematized. And uh, this was five years after uh, the official announcement that if you're not part of us, you're not part of God's remnant, based on Isaiah 10, 22. Thanks for, thanks for that background, Doug. I think it's helpful to kind of hear the, the backstories of, the, you know, of people who are also telling history, because yeah. it helps to know the ways in which you're involved in your own history, right? It's, it's a good self-reflective exercise. Um, I'll do a brief version of that for myself as well. I grew up in San Diego, California. I did not grow up with any religious background whatsoever. In that sense, I was kind of a typical ICOC story in that, in that way. Uh, and so when I was in high school, when I was in, uh, I was a freshman in high school at the time, I was invited to church for the first time. And that was my first real experience attending a church in any regular way. And it was the San Diego Church of Christ, which was part of the ICOC. And, uh, and so over the next nine months or so, I studied the Bible and I went through the traditional study series that was uh, in existence at that point. That was the year 1998. And, uh, and so I was baptized as a sophomore in high school in 1998 in the San Diego Church of Christ. And that initiated kind of my entrance into the, you know, the Stone Campbell movement of churches, the restoration movement of churches. And, um, and with no prior knowledge of Christianity, I, I kind of took on the narrative of the International Churches of Christ, right? So I was taught in kind of implicit and explicit terms that, that we are the, the, the one true church, that we are the group that is doing something that nobody else is doing. And without any kind of other experience, that was, that was my best understanding of what Christianity was and how Christianity should be lived out. Um, I, I went to Boston to, um, to study engineering. My undergraduate degree is in electrical and computer engineering. Won't surprise some of you uh, who are looking at me now. And, um, and I um, decided kind of along the way that, uh, that I was really interested in understanding the story of God and teaching the story of God. And so after finishing my undergraduate degree, I decided to pursue biblical studies uh, instead, but I was in Boston, in the Boston campus ministry of the Boston Church of Christ when the Crete letter came out, right? And so again, if, this is, if these are terms that are unfamiliar to you, then, then what Doug and I recommend is that you go back and listen to or watch our previous session to know some of that history. But it was this watershed moment um, in the ICOC where we had to do kind of some self-reckoning and decide who were we and what were we doing and, and were our practices as beneficial as, as we thought that they were and, uh, and were we accomplishing everything that we thought that we were and were we the only ones in the ways that we thought that we were. 
And, uh, and so I was in college when all of that happened. I was in Boston when all of that happened. And already I had begun to explore some of those questions on my own through meeting various people uh, along the way, meeting people in particular who came from other branches of the restoration movement. I began to form conversations or, or relationships and have conversations with people from the local churches of Christ um, who, who lived near me where I went to school in Boston. Uh, I began to uh, meet people from the uh, independent Christian churches, this other kind of branch stream of the Stone Campbell movement that had split from the churches of Christ previously. And I began to realize maybe we're not the only ones. Maybe we're not the only people doing this. Maybe my God is much, much bigger than I had ever let my God be in a sense, right? And that I needed to step out of this box that I had created for myself. And, and so then what happened is uh, in 2004, there were these reconciliation talks at Abilene Christian University between International Church of Christ representatives and Church of Christ representatives. And I had heard about that while I was in college. And that um, kind of sat with me and struck me. And so when I decided I wanted to shift my kind of career direction away from uh, engineering and towards biblical studies, I applied to Abilene Christian University and was accepted there and decided to pursue a degree at ACU. And that for me kind of opened the world to these brothers and sisters that I had that I'd never really met before. Uh, and, uh, and so for those next several years, I really got to know this other side of my family. And, and I'm not the first person to use this analogy, but, I, but I've heard other people say uh, in kind of having these conversations, like I, really, I, I felt like there was this whole part of my family that nobody had ever introduced me to before, right? That we never talked yeah. about. And, and that was very much my experience. Uh, and so the, the story of the rift and the repair in between the ICOC and the Churches of Christ in many ways is my own story also, right? It's, it's my own story of starting in one world uh, and having a, this kind of very exclusivistic and limited understanding of what the Christian world is, of what the Stone Campbell you know, history is, and then being able to expand that, um, meeting other believers, right? Who are doing the same things that I'm doing, who believe the same things that I believe, and realizing that I am not nearly as alone or as isolated as I once thought that I was. Uh, from uh, Abilene Christian, I went and got a, a PhD at Baylor University. And then my first teaching job was at actually an independent Christian university. So again, another part of the, you know, the stream of the Stone Campbell movement. Uh, I taught at Lincoln Christian University in Illinois for the first three years of my teaching career. And then from there have moved to Pepperdine, which as many of you know, I'm sure is affiliated with the Churches of Christ. Uh, and so I've had kind of a foot in various streams and, I, and I'm deeply grateful as, as Doug, as you mentioned, kind of being part of these different phases. I'm deeply grateful to have had that because now I've seen what it feels like to be in the ICOC, what it feels like to be in the Churches of Christ, what it feels like to be uh, in the independent Christian churches. And, and so I, I feel like I have a deeper understanding of the um, kind of the strengths and the weaknesses that each of these different streams brings to the table together when we talk about unity. Um, all right, Doug, I wanted us to, to kind of start with that. So we, so we made this personal, right? And talked about how, how each of us has participated uh, on an individual level within, within these various streams and groups. Um, I wanted to shift our conversation then next to, I think a question that, that we don't always spend enough time stopping to think about, uh, and that's this, what, what do you think went wrong on each side, both the both you know what we could call now the international churches of Christ, but what at that point was maybe you know the crossroads slash Boston movement, right? What went wrong for for there? What went wrong on the Church of Christ side that led to 
this rift that led to this kind of disunity, assuming that unity is better, yeah. assuming that, that Jesus prayed for unity, knowing that Jesus prayed for unity, and that that's, that's really what Jesus longs for. In, in your opinion, especially as somebody who lived through much of it, right, what, what, how would you assess looking back what, what broke down? I think we were young. I think a lot of it has to do with simply youth and uh, the more rigid thinking that younger people um, are, are involved in. Because uh, I didn't have any biblical background when I came into the Church of Christ. My experience was through campus ministry. We expected everyone to have a daily quiet time, to be actively sharing faith, to come to all the meetings, even the optional ones, everything. And when we realized that some some of the people in the Church of Christ, in which we were embedded, some of the older people, supposedly more mature, were not doing the same things we were doing, increasingly we viewed them as being non-Christians. And that may have been the case in some, in, in some instances. Uh, there, the Churches of Christ needed to do more with evangelism. It needed to be uh, more active in body life and outreach. However, um, our view that everyone needs to be just like us did not take into account life stage, uh, 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 aging issues, issues of, of illness or, or sickness, or even taking into account that there's a range of gifts within the body of Christ. We wanted everyone to be the same. We wanted, we thought this is what commitment looks like. And if you're not like that, then you're not one of us. And so I think we were, we, we lacked humility. We lacked understanding. And, um, and of course, we regret that. Even if we never said, and not everyone in the church ICOC said, we're the only true church, probably many people would have hesitated to, to share that or would have dreaded. But it was an impression left that this is the way, the best way or the only way, and you need to get with the program. And so I think probably some arrogance on both sides. Uh, I don't know, giving what I, looking back now, I don't, I don't know if the rift was avoidable. Uh, it might have been uh, delayed, but if we had lost our fire, or uh, even if we had been more discerning, I think that still would have probably provoked a strong reaction. Uh, but I, I would like to believe that it would have turned out differently, Nick. That's my reflection. Thanks for that, Doug. Yeah, and, and you, you um, touched on kind of a follow-up question that is one that I wonder about quite a bit, right? Was, was the break inevitable? Sometimes we, um, I've heard kind of used or uh, at least as a, as, a, uh, as a way of analogizing what happened between the ICOC and the COC, yeah. this, this parable of the, you know, of the new wine and old wineskins idea, right? That, that, they, that in a sense, if you put new wine into old wineskins, as Jesus yeah. you know, describes, it's going to break. It's, it's, it's inevitable. It has to happen. And I, and I often think about and, and reflect on is would there have been a way? to integrate what the, um, you know, at that point, the, the crossroads uh, fervor and, and Boston movement were bringing to the table, would there have been a way to integrate that into the churches of Christ, right? And so I don't, I can't pretend that I represent all of the churches of Christ. And certainly I wasn't part of those conversations in the eighties when that was happening. Um, but, but from my point of view, as somebody who, who has read some of this history and looked back uh, to, you know, to make sure that, that we also um, allow for, um, for not blame exactly, but for responsibility on both sides. From my point of view, it looks like the Church of Christ wasn't as malleable as it needed to be in some ways, right? That, there, that this was, from one point of view, a renewal movement that right. was emerging from within, 
Mm-hmm. And, and the Church of Christ couldn't, uh, unfortunately, take a step back and see the, the, the positives of what the renewal movement was doing and could well, only see some of the negatives. And therefore, the renewal movement had no choice in some ways but, but to step outside. Right. But I think the, and of course, even at the time, many of us looked at it in terms of that parable of Mark II, the new wine and the old wineskins. And I think that that is somewhat, I think that's applicable. But given our theology, um, I, I think the break really couldn't have been avoided. Our theology that um, evangelism is the number one thing every Christian should do. And it's not that that's not our mission, but it's it's too simplistic. Our view of kingdom was quite narrow, what God's kingdom was. But that was, I think, in part inherited from the Church of Christ. Uh, was this rift avoidable? Given our theology, the, the public statement in 1987 that if you're in the mainline Churches of Christ and you're not with us, you're not part of God's remnant, you're not part of God's movement. And that, be, that was made explicit. Um, I don't know. I think maybe we could have, maybe if there'd been respect, it would have become an, a non-issue. Um, but since many things we said were very critical of, very negative about brothers and sisters in the mainline churches, uh, in a way, I don't blame them. That raises then this this kind of interesting next question, because here we are now in, in 2021, Right, so much has happened um, in the history of the ICOC, for instance, in the last 15 to 20 years or so. And then especially in the last, we could maybe say five to 10 years, uh, the ICOC has begun to, and the Churches of Christ has, uh, has also begun to and responded in, uh, in reaching out to each other, right? And beginning mm-hmm. to rekindle and, and have conversations again, right? I can remember, and you may be able to tell me even what year that, that even you led, and this was, um, it must have been maybe 2007, 2006, your Who Is My Brother conference that you had one year. 2006. Yeah, and, 2000, and so, right? And, yes. and so those were, those were conversations that weren't happening prior to, let's say, you know, the early 2000s and this kind of um, moment of reckoning for the ICOC. And have been happening have been happening more and more, and especially with uh, the you know the host of this conversation right now is Common Grounds, right, which mm-hmm. is this kind of grassroots unity movement that um, that is made up now of people from the International Churches of Christ and the Churches of Christ and the Independent Christian Churches as a way of saying, what are we doing, right? Why are we separate when there's so much that unites us and that bonds us together, and that we come from something? Uh, that, you know, that started as a unity movement, that started as a, as a movement that was initially to bring people together under the single name of followers of Christ, right, Christians uh, together. And, and so I'm wondering now, given everything we've just said, perhaps maybe even this break was in some ways inevitable, why do you think we're talking again? What do, what do you think has led to our ability to at least begin the reconciliation process? I mean, I, I certainly think on on the ICOC, ICOC side, there we were humbled, um, had a much more realistic view of ourselves, and that made us more gracious. Of course, not everyone responded that way. Some people just were disillusioned and they 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 left the ICOC. Uh, but but those who remained, m- many of them realized, wow, these we can't write off this entire group. We have these are our our spiritual brothers or our cousins, or however you want to look at it, 
in the Christian churches and the Church of Christ. Uh, and, and of course, there are even people outside the Restoration Movement who have virtually identical doctrine on all the important things. Um, yeah, that was, uh, it's hard for us to, to admit this, um, but uh, I, I guess we, this, was a, um, this was part of that DNA I mentioned. Last year, uh, Douglas Foster did this incredible biography. I know you interviewed him on, of, of Alexander Campbell, and we can see very clearly that even in the early 1800s, you had these two streams. It's unity we're going for, and it's we have restored the pure gospel. Uh, our way of understanding is the only correct way, and we want to be unified and respectful, you know, towards other believers. And th those two are in a th those two don't really mix very well, do they, Nick? No, you're you're right to bring in that tension, right? That 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 in the earliest days, right, there is this balance of, on the one hand, wanting to be this unified group of believers, right, that we are all under the name of Christ, and at the same time, somehow restore what, you know, what we thought of as New Testament Christianity, as though that were one monolithic, uh, you know, right. ent entity that we could somehow bring back in some primitive form. Can and, I add and, something? Oh, sorry. Yeah, please. No, go ahead. I just finished reading a book this morning, Edward G. Robinson's, it's the history of the African-American Church of Christ. Uh, called Hard Fighting Soldiers. And you can see from the very beginning, the first African-American uh, Church of Christ, he dates at 1816, 1816. Uh, but all through the 1800s and the 1900s, the lingo of the pure gospel, the restored gospel, God's plan, the Lord's church, it, it just simply mirrors what you saw, what we saw in the, in the majority race churches of christ this so we have more than 200 year history of of being exclusivistic i'm so glad that I, you I just i don't know how we could have uh, so the i'm not saying we're not responsible for what we did in the 70s and 80s but we did inherit something we had baggage <laughs> yes no i've often thought and kind of characterized the ICOC as if you took all of the principles in a sense of the early days of the Stone Campbell movement and compressed them down into a 25 year period or something like that. And, you know, that's what, that's what the international churches of Christ was. It lived all of that out. It was a microcosm of, uh, of the whole right. in a sense. Um, all right, let's, um, let's move then to us to a, uh, another question here. And that is this, given that we're beginning to have these conversations, right? Given that you and I are, are in this moment, right? Talking about reconciliation and that this is an example of a much bigger movement that's beginning, I think, to, to gain a lot of momentum of conversations that are happening. What do you think still stands in the way? What, what is preventing us, if anything, right? From further reconciliation between churches of Christ and international churches of Christ specifically here? And I know on the on the ICOC side, because there's no uh, hierarchy anymore, there's no central leadership globally, um, attitudes cannot be changed, even information cannot be disseminated by a, one person's decision. So I, I found it's quite hit or miss attitudes towards uh, those in the Church of Christ and Christian Church. It really depends on what part of the world we're in. Uh, some people have never even heard of the Church of Christ or the Christian Church. Others have, but they've been demonized. And I say, well, maybe you should drop by and say hello to them. And they get back to me and say, wow, these people are great. But in sometimes when they do that, they say, whoa, these people don't like us very much. It just depends. Everyone's different. Um, each 
each ICOC region or church has its own culture. And so the fact that we're not um, organized and centralized in that kind of a way is, I think that's one of the big reasons that this, this project of building unities is taking a long time. Makes sense. I appreciate that answer. Um, and again, that, that raises this kind of neat part of, uh, you know, again, Common Grounds is this grassroots kind of movement. There isn't a centralized leadership or, you know, or a group of people who are, you know, working in ministry who are officially tasked with this particular ministry. It's people who just, who care. And I want to give a, you know, a special credit to, to John Teal, who's here yes. in, in this Zoom call, because he came up with this slogan, which I think encapsulates exactly what, what you're describing, Doug, of unity starts with a cup of coffee, right? That when you, in other words, when you break bread with somebody, when you sit down and, and have a conversation and realize, wow, we, you know, we're on the same team, right? This is, we're, we're part of the same much larger group together, and we have so much more in common than we have apart that you begin to realize that, that unity is something that is deeply achievable, right? It doesn't mean that we, come, we become the same church, right? It doesn't mean that, that, um, that we let go of our distinctives, but what it means is that we recognize each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and that we can build something from that, right? That we can partner together in that. Um, and that is, has been traditionally hard, I think, for both sides to do, right? There's been hurt on the Church of Christ side that wants to say, um, you know, we, we were right and you were wrong and we don't, we don't want to forgive. We don't want to let you back in, in a sense, right? And so some of, from the Church of Christ side, there needs to be a willingness mm. to forgive and a willingness to say, you know, we're sorry for the ways that we contributed as well. And, and I think that's, that's but, difficult for both parties. But in my, I don't want to leave a wrong impression. In my experience, most of the uh, brothers and sisters of the Church of Christ have been quite gracious the more common response has been, you had a good thing going, please don't lose your fire. Uh, we can still learn from you. We can teach each other. Uh, I think overall, the response has been quite good, at least when there's been interaction. I agree with that. I agree with that fully. everybody. We hope you enjoyed, benefited from, became more informed, and even inspired by this revisiting the Rift and Repair uh, session. Now, on the Zoom uh, program that Nick and, and Douglas did uh, recently, there was a question and answer session. And I know that as you've been listening to this, you probably got questions that have come up. And those very questions will very likely be ones that are asked by others that were a part of the Zoom. Uh, session. So join us for our next podcast next week. We'll come back to the Rift and Repair Revisited by airing the question and answer sessions. And Nick, you'll be back with me as well. Thank you, brother. It's my Thank pleasure. I look forward to it. All right. Join us again next week, folks, for Common Grounds Unity. Thank you for listening to the Common Grounds Unity podcast with Megan and Kevin. Please check out commongroundunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. 
You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.